Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts in chapter 6 tonight. By the way, uh, there are a few of these on the back table there that already have invitations in them. If you want to grab those, uh, be aware of that tonight. Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 this evening. We studied this passage last week as we looked at the murmuring uh, in the church in Jerusalem, uh, the growing pains, if you will, that came about uh, there in that church. And tonight, we'll look at Lesson 23. Uh, I think that's the Michael Jordan lesson, Juris. Uh, lesson 23 tonight, uh, as we talk about the servant ministry the servant ministry in the local church. Follow along with me as I look through verse 8 together as I read these. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Well, let's pray together. Lord, would you help us tonight? Lord, as we desire to follow your plan and your purpose. Lord, would you guide our minds and our thoughts? our hearts tonight. Lord, would you lead us and guide us in all truth? Lord, I pray that we would follow your pattern, your will, your plan. Lord, may we see the great need for service, the great need for ministry, to minister to the needs of people. Lord, so often we want position. So often we seek recognition. So often we look for power. And Lord, we see in Scripture always your desire for us is to serve. To serve the hurting. To love the broken. To share the love of Christ with the lost and dying world. To minister to hearts. To lift the fallen. And Lord, as we look tonight at this thought of servant ministry, and Lord, would you challenge our hearts, stir us. Lord, may every person in this room tonight have a desire to serve you. Lord, I pray for every man in the church tonight that they would have a desire that their lives would meet the qualifications that we look at here tonight in this great ministry. Lord, as we see these first deacons, Lord, I pray that the desire of our heart would be, Lord, could I fill that role? Could I have meet the need? And Lord, would you help me? Uh, Lord, I need your help tonight. Lord, would you empower me? Give me the words to speak. Help me as I teach your word. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 
In the study tonight, we're considering the ministry of the deacons here in a local church. The word deacon means servant, very simply and very plainly. We see here a church that there was, as we talked about last week, there was some bickering, uh, there was some quarreling, there was some, uh, well, you're taking care of these and I'm not getting taken care of, back and forth. And there were some men that God would choose, would allow the local church in Jerusalem to choose to meet the needs, and the need was of service, to service to, uh, to help the widows and to meet the needs there in the church. As I mentioned, the word, sir, the word deacon here means servant. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, we have a very helpful guideline. Uh, we have the only guideline in Scripture here. Uh, we have the first mention uh, God's pattern uh, for those who should be appointed by the local church in this servant ministry. We're going to look at some very simple qualifications that God puts on these men as he asks the church to be involved in choosing these men. Number one, I want you to notice they were born again men. They were born again men. That is, men who had a definite experience of conversion, born again. Not, not, not religious men. God did not ask for, uh, did not even say members of the church. Uh, but very important, these must have been born again men. Men who had received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, I'm going to read very quickly for you in the Gospels, John chapter 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says, but as many as received him. Who, who's the him? That's Jesus. That's the word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We read about in John. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If we turn to John 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we read the words in our text back in Acts chapter 3. The words, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men. Men were to be selected from the membership of this body of believers in Jerusalem. Now understand, it is possible uh, for someone to... Uh, join with a local church and be lost. I had a, a pastor friend uh, share with me uh, Monday night, a uh, dear pastor friend from another province, and I asked him how things were going in the church. He said, great. He said, by the way, he said, I'll share something with you. He said, our church folks don't even know yet. Uh, he said, but there was a man in our church, uh, a member of our church just got saved last week. And uh, praise God, someone who was lost, who was going through the motions, who was playing a part, uh, who got born again. And how wonderful that is. But it's important that someone not only be in that assembly, but they be born again. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, selected for the membership of the church. Now, understand, it was not a popular thing at this time to join with the local church in Jerusalem. Uh, can I tell you that it wasn't the in thing to do? In the culture, it wasn't, man. I wanna, I wanna show up there. I wanna be a part of that. I gotta be a part of that growing work. No, these people, not long after, are gonna be so sorely persecuted. They're gonna have to leave Jerusalem. 
The folks that were gathered together in that local church, they were believers. Only the believers were willing to come and to gather here. Understand, these folks were born-again men. Uh, From Acts chapter 2, we learned that they had repented in verse 38. Uh, Those who had been looking for another Messiah, those who had rejected Christ and said, crucify him, they repented and, and understood that what they were trusting was false. They let go of their false religion and they received the word of the Lord. They received the word of the preaching of Peter. We see in verse 41 of Acts 2. And then we see in verse 47 in Acts 2, we need not turn back there, but they were added to the church, who? Daily, such as should be saved. Not not such as who would want to join and uh, become popular, but rather it was very plain during this time in the history of the local church, these people that were gathered together, assembled together, Uh, with this body of believers in Jerusalem, these were born-again folks. These were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. These were folks who had radically changed from following after religion and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and had joined together. So understand, these men, these servants, these deacons were to be men who were born again, men who had their lives transformed by Christ, Uh, who had a clear testimony and gave evidence of salvation, it wasn't a man, I wonder if he's saved. I I wonder, no, it was very plain they were to be looking for these men. Number one, born again men. Number two, they were selected, selected men. Notice the words here in verse three. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men. We learn here that this local church in Jerusalem, when there was the problem of uh, the bickering and complaining and uh, the growing pains here in this local church, they came and said to the body of believers, hey, select. Pick some folks that meet these requirements to, to help with this need and serve Uh, We see, if you will, the democratic ideal practice here in the early church. The apostles said here to these members of the church in Jerusalem, you choose out some men to appoint. Pick some men that meet God's requirements. The whole church, I believe, was invited to participate for those that were suitable men to serve. Not just the decision of Peter, not just the decision of the other apostles, Uh, But all the members here were privileged to share in the matter of meeting the need of seeking out and selecting these men uh, to help fill that need. It's a pretty serious and a somber business, this matter of choosing those who would serve the Lord. We need to be careful and understand how important that decision is. Because with the wrong person in that position of service, everything could be turned the wrong way. God's work can be made or it can be marred by the right servant. God's work can be advanced or it can be stopped by the right of the wrong servant. It can be going down or going up. 
by those who were placed in this area of service. So we understand here these men were not only to be born-again men, but it was not a random thing. It was not all just, you know, whoever goes. It was a selected group of men. There was much prayer. Uh, we could turn back and for sake of time, I won't ask you to, but in verses 23 uh, through 26 of Acts chapter 1, uh, we see that when they were looking for someone to take the place of Judas, what do they do? They prayed. They sought the will of God. They sought God's purpose. Christian, we see here this, the early church in Acts chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, and when they set the apostles set before the apostles and when they had prayed, they prayed. They sought for the will of God. They sought for the right men to be selected. Also, I want you to notice something else about these men. I said they were born again men. Some very simple truths here tonight as we look at these first deacons these in the servant ministry in the local church. We see they were selected men. But number three, they were men of great variety. Men of great variety. We're told of seven men here that were chosen. All of these men were different. We notice their names. They were to meet different kinds of needs. In my life, I've had people that I've kept as folks that I knew that knew things or could do things that I could not do and had wisdom that I do not have in different areas. And if I have a problem in a certain area, it used to be years ago, if I had a, uh, for instance, if I had a vehicle problem, used to be years ago if I was struggling trying to figure out what was wrong with my vehicle. I'd call my Uncle Jerry. He's in heaven now. I can't call him anymore. But I'd call him up and I'd say, Uncle Jerry, I said, I'm having trouble here. My Uncle Jerry was a mechanic. And I remember the one last time I called to talk to him about a vehicle problem. I called him. I said, hey, I got a problem with this. And I explained the problem and what I thought it was. And he said, he said son, you know more than me now. He said, I, you're talking about stuff I don't understand. He said, I can't help you with that. But I would call him when I had a problem mechanically. There are people that you have that you reach out to if you have different needs, different problems, uh, because you know they have those abilities. They have the wisdom in certain areas. They have able to meet the needs in certain areas. I believe that these seven men had different abilities. We see different men mentioned here from different backgrounds, and I believe that's on purpose. You understand that there are various needs in the local church. Brother Phil Smith on Monday night got up and spoke for a few moments and uh, very wonderfully uh, spoke. and He shared with the young people in the room that were there. He said, young guys, he said, can I encourage you to get experience in every aspect of life you can. He talked about how God has used him in ministry and all the experience he has from all different areas of his life have all come into play as he is doing the ministry he's involved in. I don't believe it's an accident that God has given you abilities in certain areas. I don't think it accidental that God would give us a building that needed much renovation work and God would allow me to spend 
10 years or more of my life doing that kind of work. I, I don't find that unusual. I, I believe God knew that and God planned that. God has for you a job that most likely, an area of service that most likely only you can fulfill because only you have the ability in that area. And I believe these men were of great variety. Uh, hold your place here. Turn to 1 Corinthians with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And by the way, notice that capital S there, that's the Holy Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which worketh in all. I love, we see here a picture of the Trinity in those few verses. Uh, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But, notice verse 11. But these all worketh that one and the self same, there it is again, Spirit, Holy Spirit, divining to every man severally as he will, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. It is not just one type of person that God can use in service. Rather, I believe there is a great variety needed. I believe it would have been a mistake for the church in Jerusalem to have found folks that had just the exact same abilities and got them, okay, these seven men, they're all exactly the same. I believe there was a great diversity there. And that diversity shows the picture of the body of Christ, different members uh, separately, uh, bound together by the same spirit in the same body. I said number three, they were men of great variety. Number four, as we go back to our text in Acts 6, these were men full of honest report. Men full of honest report. That is, men of good reputation. Now get this next statement very, very plainly. Don't, don't miss this. Not only in the church, but in the world as well. It's possible to have a good reputation inside the local church and to have a bad reputation in the office, to have a bad reputation in the shop, to have a bad reputation with your neighbors. We need to make sure that as we think about those that would work in the ministry of service, they must be full of honest report, whose testimony here is the same as it is elsewhere. Too often we have those who are very good at playing the part, the word hypocrite, as we read about in the New Testament, is that of an actor, one who would hold the mask in front of their face. 
that mask that was not who they were. And then they pull the mask down and they're totally different. Can I tell you that these men were to be men who were of honest report, full of an honest report. Men who serve the Lord uh, should be sincere. Men who should work in service should be sincere, thoroughly honest in their words, in their dealings with others. Great damage is done to the church, any local church, when those with bad or indifferent reputation are given any position in a local church. I remember my dad going to buy a used vehicle years ago. I wasn't with him. He told me the story, or my mom may have told me the story. And he went to look at a vehicle, and the guy, he was looking at the vehicle. He was thinking about buying the vehicle. And he told the guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it. I'll come back tomorrow. And the guy was a car salesman. You know, all car salesmen are evil. But, uh, you know, John's not here He's because he's evil. But uh, the guy said to my dad, well, you know, if you buy it today, tonight, I'll give you this special price, but only tonight. My dad looked at the man. He said, sir, I will not be buying a vehicle from you because you are a liar. He said, if I come back tomorrow and offer you the same thing you tell me tonight, you'll sell me the vehicle. I don't deal with people who lie to me. My dad left. He was going to buy the vehicle the next day. But my dad decided that he, he won't deal with people that have bad character. He, won't, he doesn't trust them. If they're going to lie to him about something, they'll lie about something else. Now, can I tell you that there's a lot of wisdom in that? We need to be careful that, especially when it comes to those that will serve the Lord, that everything is above board. That there's no one thing said somewhere and something said somewhere else. It needs to all equal. It needs to balance. And we see here these were people of honest report, uh, respected, not just in the local church, but respected by worldly friends, respected in the lost world. I believe that's vitally important if we're going to serve the Lord. You know, we need to make sure we have a good testimony, not just inside this building, not just with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but out in the world uh, with our coworkers, those that have a consistent Christian life, those who are reliable, God-fearing, a man of spiritual integrity. And we say, well, Pastor, that's great. These are good qualifications. Man, if somebody meets those, they can fill the role. Some great qualifications. But can I tell you, at this point, these qualifications would be insignificant and useless on their own. It's not enough. And that's not where God stopped. Number five, and vitally here, they were men full of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Verse three tells us, look ye out among you seven men. It goes on to say, full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5 of our text tells us, and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Years ago, I saw for the first time a dead cow. How many have ever seen a dead? I don't mean a hamburger, I mean. A whole cow dead. You ever see a dead cow? 
Those of you that have seen a dead cow, you'll back me up on this. What happens when a cow dies, laying there, it's dead. Brother Jeff, it's not really that impressive. But Brother Jeff will tell you that when that cow sits there a while, the gases begin to build up inside of that dead cow. And that cow that was laying inside, all of a sudden, the legs, as a friend of mine used to say, approach liftoff. Uh, as that belly swells, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I read a story about 18 years ago. Colton, don't listen to this. It's going to make you sick. So just try, try to avoid listening. Colton, yeah, he really struggles with my word pictures. I read a story about a guy who was walking along, and he was shooting his bow at different targets in the bush, and he came upon a dead cow. And it was achieving liftoff. It was swollen. And so he had the bright idea. I wonder what would happen if the cow's dead. By the way, don't worry, the cow didn't feel it. Uh, What would happen if I shot this dead cow? And because he was stupid, he decided that was a good idea, and he did so. I remember it's been probably 14 or 15 years since I read the story, and I can almost remember the story he typed out online word for word about the explosion that happened when he shot that dead cow. Because that cow was expanding. And when he punctured it, everything that was inside the cow came out of the cow. It was obvious what was on the inside. Christian, how can we tell if somebody is filled with the Holy Ghost? Because what's on the inside always comes out. The Bible tells us that if we have the Holy Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit, the Bible speaks about us having the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit will be obvious. By the way, you can't work up the fruit of the Spirit. If you have an apple tree on your property, if Brother Krim, you don't have any fruit trees, do you, in your yard? Brother Krim's got a beautiful backyard. If he plants him an apple tree back there, he should do that, right, Helen? If he plants an apple tree back there, he can go out there and look at that apple tree and he can say to the apple tree, you grow, you grow apples right now. I'm telling you, you grow apples. He can say that all he wants, but you can't work up apples. Apples are a fruit. Apples have to come naturally. You've got to wait for them to develop and produce. The fruit of the Spirit is not a work you can work up. You can't fake it. You can't mock it. You can't mock it up and pretend. It's a fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, we see, actually, I want you to look with me. Look at Galatians. i got to be careful tonight. I keep looking at the clock and thinking it's 645. I might preach till midnight tonight. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. I just remembered, praise God, I remember the clock wasn't working. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I was thinking, man, I can preach forever tonight. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, here it is. Love, how can you tell if someone's full of the Spirit? They love people. Joy. By the way, you can't fake joy. Well, you can pretend for a few minutes, but it doesn't last long. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. Can I tell you how you can tell? Someone has the Holy Spirit because I promise you those filled with the Holy Spirit are going to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Because 
the Holy Spirit is going to work to the outside, that which is in the inside. These men were filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, uh, one of the ways, if you ask someone, are you filled with the Spirit? If they say, yes, I am, most likely they are not. Uh, we, it's not, a, oh, are you filled with the Spirit? Yes, I'm filled with the Spirit. Uh, most likely the one that's filled with the Spirit, oh, I know I, I need to be filled with the Spirit. But we see the fruit of the Spirit, that high standard, which is God's. The high standard, those who are filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Holy Ghost. So often we want to look for those who, you know, do things that please us. We, we want to look for those that, uh, you know, they have characteristics we like. But the most important characteristic we see here in Scripture, for these men who, by the way, were to serve. We're not talking about pastors here. Now, these men who served, can I tell you, we have a pattern. Stephen preached the Word of God. He shared his faith. He was a soul winner. The, these servants were, were not just serving tables, although they did that. That was their job. Why was it Stephen, who was not a pastor, shared the gospel? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was fulfilling the job of every Christian. But we see they were men full of the Holy Spirit. Number six, these men were spirit-taught men. Notice verse 3 in our text. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That is, if you'll let me tonight, full of discernment. Some people seem to be lacking discernment. No discernment whatsoever. Those kind of folks would not be wise to put into this service, ministry of service. Others lack spiritual insight. Their outlook is simply worldly. They have no spiritual vision. They only see that which is worldly. I'm reminded of Solomon. Solomon had worldly wisdom. Solomon said, I want to protect the kingdom. Solomon said, I don't, I don't want my neighbors attacking me. So I know what I'll do. I'll be very wise and shrewd in the world system. And I'll seek out from every kingdom around me, and I'll, I'll take a princess, and I'll marry her, and I'll bring her back to the kingdom. And every land around me, I'll have their daughters here married to me as my queens, and they won't attack me because their daughters are here. Now, in the world's eyes, that's genius. I mean, that, that is uh, art of war type of genius. I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, if you look at it just simply on paper, Solomon, that, that was a great play. If you look at it in game theory, ultimate game theory, I mean, that's checkmate across the board. But there was a problem with that. It broke the law of God. It was worldly wisdom, but it wasn't godly wisdom. The book of Proverbs, God gave is a picture of the worldly wisdom pictured by the strange woman and godly wisdom, and they are not the same. We're talking here not about men who have worldly wisdom, not men who just have shrewd business sense, 
This is speaking about spirit-taught men who have godly discernment, spiritual discernment that filter every decision through the Word of God, through not only what makes sense in the world, but what is right. What is right? What is holy? That spiritual discernment, spiritual insight. Uh, there are many who do not appreciate the serious nature of the holy ministry which we are engaged as we serve him. Obviously, those are not the right people to serve in this capacity we read about in Acts chapter 6. Look, if you will, at James, the book of James quickly, James 3. Look at a couple of passages quickly here in James before we close. And just one more thought I want to give you. Afterwards, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown of peace of them that make peace. Spirit taught men. Number seven, and we'll close with this one. They were men of faith. Men of faith. Before we get to that, I'll read another verse for you. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But as we look back at our text in Acts chapter 6, and we see in verse number 5 there, it says, In the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of faith. These were men full of faith. By the way, where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, the Bible tells us. Why is it so important that men that serve in this capacity, who are helping the Lord's work, should be full of faith? Because God's work is by faith. We cannot please Him without faith. We, we have to trust the Lord. Let's close with a, a verse in Daniel. Daniel chapter 11. In verse 32, Daniel eleven thirty-two, the Bible says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God, let's stop there for a moment. What happens when we know God? We have faith. If I know God, I believe God. If I know who God is, I, I, I know I can trust Him. The people that know their God, notice in verse 32, shall be strong 
and do exploits. When we have faith in our God, we can do anything that we trust our God to do. We can fulfill any need that we believe that our God would give us to fulfill if we have faith. We've seen the kind of men here tonight in the book of Acts that God wants local church to appoint as his representatives, channels by whom he may pour out a blessing in service and meeting the needs. But may I say tonight that I think we could safely assume that these are all areas that God wants all of us to aspire to. God would want all of us to meet these requirements. A pattern that all of us ought to try to fit. May I say tonight that God desires us to serve Him. God desires us to be looking. The Bible says, wait upon the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God wants us to wait on the Lord. Now that's not sitting down and saying, okay, Lord, where, where are you at? Lord, when are you coming home? No, waiting on the Lord is, is waiting to hear what, what's the next need. How, how can I meet that need? What can I do? Lord, how can I serve? How, how can I minister the, to the need of someone? Hope I don't make Brother Maud mad tonight. That's okay if I do. He'll get over it. He's a big boy. But we prayed tonight for something that's going to happen Saturday. But I've thought about a few times this week. When I have, I've wept. I mean, to the point where I couldn't stop crying. Because several years ago, when Brother Maud was a lost Muslim, there was a group of people that loved him enough to come to his home and show love to his family. The very thing that's happening this Sunday, those ladies we prayed for. Can I tell you why I've wept this week? Because I thought I love the fact that the same person that was a recipient of that kind of love is trying to make sure that somebody else can know the kind of love that they received to know Jesus Christ. Christian, I share that tonight not to lift up Brother Maud. I share that tonight to challenge you and to challenge me. Who have you showed love to this week? How often we want to take. We like it when somebody serves us. But Christian, the goal for the Christian life is not for us to be served. The goal for the Christian life is for us to serve others, for us to show others Christ for us to minister to the needs of others. As we think about these men who would serve as the first deacons and minister and meet the needs in the early church, as we see the requirements listed here, and we could look in the New Testament further and see some other things, but may I encourage us all tonight to realize God wants all of us to be servants but God doesn't want all of us to serve in this same capacity. God chose seven out of a church of thousands. But God doesn't want all of us to serve. He wants all of us to be looking for ways and waiting on the Lord. Say, Lord, how, how can I meet somebody's need? Christian, can I encourage you this week as you encounter different folks? 
Think about how you can serve them. We have a privilege tomorrow we get to serve and meet the needs of some hurting people who have a lost loved one. And I'm glad we can do that as a local church and we can minister to their need. The fact is every day God will give you an opportunity. God will open a door if you ask him and say, God, I'd, I'd like to serve you. God, I'd like to find some way that I could, could meet some needs. Those of you tonight who have honestly asked the Lord to give you an opportunity, I think you could probably confess, yeah, the Lord always gave me a spot when I want to serve him. When I was a young teenager, I began preaching. I never asked to preach anywhere. I never asked my, my pastor if I could preach. I never asked any, any, I don't think I ever asked anybody if I could preach anywhere. The only time I ever asked somebody if I could preach was one time in a bar. I wasn't, I wasn't drinking, Brother Jeff. I was required in Bible college. One of my requirements for a preaching class was I had to preach in a bar. Brother Krem, that's a weird place to preach. And uh, I went to the bartender, and I said, hey, by the way, I had a great big Bible. I had a suit on. I said, hey, I'm here to say a word for the Lord. Would you mind asking if in my mind if I speak for the Lord? That was the word I used. And the bartender just, hey, hey, everybody, get your attention. Got a, got a preacher here who wants to say a word for the Lord. He used the same word. Everybody okay with that? Yeah, go ahead. So I preached in a bar. The only time I ever asked to preach somewhere. But I asked, asked the Lord when I was a young person, God, I'd like to preach the word of God. I couldn't tell you how many times I preached the gospel before I went to Bible college. Probably 20 or 30 times between the time I was, between the time I was 13 until I was 18 years old. Why? Because I said, Lord, I just want to give me an opportunity. God will give you opportunities to serve if you ask him. He'll give you open doors if you'll go through them. Now let's trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have. Lord, to serve others. And Lord, there's going to be problems and difficulties. Lord, as we talked about last week in every growing church. But Lord, I thank you that you already have us here to meet those needs and to serve even the difficult areas. Lord, I pray that we would have a desire to meet these requirements we looked at tonight. Lord, I think of the opportunity we have to serve. Lord, so often we want authority, but God, help us to want to serve. Lord, so often we seek recognition. But Lord, it's not recognition we need. We need an area of service. Lord, I thank you that we can serve every person we meet by sharing the gospel with them, by being faithful to your word. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray that we would desire to meet the needs, Lord, that you would have us to meet. Bless us now. Lord, dismiss us with your grace. Lord, again, I pray tonight, Lord, for the Robliza family. Lord, I pray that you'd give them your grace this evening. Minister to them. Encourage them. Lord, I pray you'd be with them today, this evening, as they close out the viewing. Lord, I pray Friday you'd be with them during this ceremony and all that goes on. Lord, help us to love them and encourage them. Lord, would you meet their needs? Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen.